Welcome to the Saturate Podcast. My name's Brad Watson, and today's episode is going to be awesome. I talk with Dan Bovenmeyer, who is a pastor of a multi-site church and a church planting church in Iowa City, Iowa, so the very middle heartbeat of America, and they've been living out and calling people towards everyday mission, even as their their Sunday mornings continue to be very attractional. And so I'm going to talk to him about how they uh, welcome new people in and shepherd them towards uh, life-on-life discipleship, how that's hard. We'll get very practical, uh, very nitty-gritty. Dan is a very wise, kind person. Even if you're not in that position of, of shifting a church, uh, you'll get a lot out of this conversation as he just describes how to be patient, gracious, and challenging to disciples. So you'll want to do that. One of the things that we talk about in this podcast is pilot groups. Uh, pilot groups is a, is a resource that we've put together that helps uh, churches take people through small baby steps and getting them into missional community forming missional communities. It's a strategy. Uh, you can buy the, the pilot group guide at saturatetheworld.com. It comes with uh, all you need to put that together and even make it your own. And, and this podcast will be uh, helpful in understanding how to do that. The other thing that, that I would point you to is there's a whole host of resources. Uh, the Transition Starter Kit, it's fantastic. It will it has Dan Bovemeyer teaches as well as pastors and leaders that lead all sorts of churches that have transitioned or made shifts to help their disciples live on mission. There's audio, there's video, there's PDFs. It's a great way to get started on this conversation. Tons and tons of wisdom. Uh, so hope that you are able to check that out as well. So let's dive into this combo with Dan. This is the Saturate Podcast. Saturate is committed to seeing a gospel movement happen in North America and beyond in which every man, woman, and child have a daily encounter with Jesus in word and deed. This podcast is an ongoing conversation with disciples and leaders growing in the gospel and growing and living the implications of the gospel in community and on mission. All right, welcome to the podcast, Dan. How are you doing? Doing great, man. How are you today? I'm pretty swell. Yeah, I'm pretty good. I'm headed to Australia in a couple days. So that sounds fun to say. Yeah, it does. I I have a million questions. Like, okay, <laughs> is this the first time? This is the first time. It's like first time, long time. I've wanted to go for a long time, and mm-hmm. I'm going to Melbourne only. And I'm going to be hanging out, spending time with, encouraging, working with two churches. So shout out to them, Next Door Church and Inner West. And I'm excited. That is awesome. Do you have any like uh, personal plans or is there any like places you have to see while you're in Australia? So my the extent of my personal plans is I have a list of coffee shops to go to in Melbourne because it's like the competitor with like the Pacific Northwest in great coffee. Yeah. And so I'm really stoked to go to some of the, the finer establishments. But yeah, I'll basically only have one day when I'm not doing a bunch of stuff. So I also, I just love living the normal life when I travel too. So being immersed, if you will. Got it. So you, you're like, do you go look for markets and like, uh, just kind of tour the streets and get a feel of the city or what does that mean to you? I mean, when you put it that way, it sounds very like 
Apostle Paul, but uh, <laughs> I just go to the markets and then I reason with the Epicureans, uh, <laughs> and I and they laugh at me and say, "You fool! You believe in the resurrection?" But yeah, that's that's what I. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I do. I like going to the markets. I like going to uh, just trying to do normal life. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. my that's my jam. I I I whenever I'm in a new country, I like to go find wherever the food supply is just to get a mm-hmm. feel people. So I always love like going down streets and going to like not the tourist spots, but you know, what what does the normal everyday person eat? What do they, you know, what does this look like? So Right. That's what I meant. No, I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's I probably wouldn't have caught that if if that's not part of my teaching that I'm yeah. doing in Australia. So that's awesome. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, it's just so. So you, this is your second time on the podcast. Yes, but sir. it's been a long time, like two years. So mm-hmm. uh, I'd love for for our listeners to get to know you uh, once again. So maybe you could tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, your church, kind of what God's been doing with you these last few years. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so yeah, I am been a pastor here at Grace uh, Community Church in the suburbs of Iowa City, Iowa. Uh, we're technically in North Liberty, Iowa, and um, been here for, wow, gosh, it's actually been nine years now. Awesome. I was actually prior to that involved in a house church network that I helped uh, launch and form. And uh, we were growing and learning a lot. And about nine years ago, went through the process of joining in to Grace and and merging the two together. Hmm. So since then at Grace, I've been very involved in uh, and interested in discipleship and and um, missional community, community we call them community groups here, and also just church planting. So we've uh, we just launched our our sent off our third church plant here since I've been here. That's awesome. And uh, God seems to be opening up doors for us. Uh, we're uh, in a university town. Iowa City is home of the Hawkeyes. Uh, so Hawkeye football is like the the uh, biggest sport in the state of Iowa. Kind of like <laughs> Nebraska football is the biggest thing in right. Nebraska. And uh, we also have a really famous wrestling team here. So we're kind of the big big city in the farm country of Iowa. Uh, <laughs> there, and uh, so we've been launching out church plants to um, – small towns nearby. We're sending out autonomous teams that are that are doing their thing. And it's been interesting because all of them have the common theme of they just started um practicing submissional community in their in their little towns. Hmm. And people just started coming from everywhere to, to see what's going on. And so uh we don't have a real great strategy per se, just that we're starting trying to practice the basics of faith and hmm. and as people are living out life that people see life change and maybe neighbors that they've known for 20 years are going what's going on with you you know hmm. so that's launching into churches so it's it's really encouraging awesome. uh we're still learning as we're going but uh yeah the latest one is in uh, river riverside iowa which is a small casino town just south of here and uh they call it river city uh they're they're i'm so excited and couple of my dear friends are down there leading it out so i that's uh, awesome love those guys what else do i know is that it is that enough? no that's great yeah i mean that just leads me to so many more questions but uh maybe what's what's grace community like just as a church if you could help people visualize it totally the people there 
yeah, it's an it's an interesting church. Uh, I was an interesting place. You know, it's uh, if you've not been here and you're a flyover person, you know, there's a there's a long heritage of farming across all of Iowa, and uh, it's you know Iowa had a controversial history of pushing out, of course, the indigenous Indians, and then had these groups of people, mostly from Scandinavia, that formed small towns all over Iowa. So you'll have a German town that's almost everyone has German roots. You'll have another town that almost everyone has Norwegian roots. Often one person would come and then would be joined by family or other people that knew them that would Mm. come over here. It's a really interesting culture, agrarian culture. And then you have some bigger towns that have popped up around the industry of farming in the area. And then there's university towns. And so we're not in the agrarian town category as much as that we're a university town. The city of Iowa City is the most liberal city in Iowa. I would hmm. say it's right up there with like a Madison, uh, Wisconsin. Um, and so there is a very post-Christian, post-modern viewpoint in, yeah. in a lot of Iowa City. I live in, in the thick of the town and I just love – I moved to Iowa City because of my interest in, in – and I had kind of felt called towards people that were in a post-modern, post-Christian mindset. And so – in my own personal culture, the school we go to is in the thick of Iowa City. My neighbors, you know, while they know I'm a Christian, uh, most of them are like, well, we've moved on from that. We're, right. uh, we're doing more advanced stuff now, <laughs> which is different than almost every other town in Iowa. Most of them are very small, conservative, traditional towns right. that have the Methodist and Catholic church. Yeah. Uh, so the people that come to Grace oftentimes – the post-Christians aren't necessarily flooding in the doors. And so uh, we've been working on um, what does that look like? We have a a church downtown that we call the downtown church, and they have been focusing much more that direction. And then the church that I'm currently at primarily is in North Liberty in the suburbs. And you see a lot of people coming in here that are coming from uh, probably looking for more conservative theology and uh, and coming in with a lot of that viewpoint and that assumptions. So uh, we're sort of a little bit more suburban in, in yeah. the really big campus that we have. Cool. So you have there's there's two campuses uh, in this college town, one suburban, one downtown. That's right. Yeah. I think the only other key thing that people need to know about you is you are a fellow unique colored glasses person. Yes. I love your glasses, Brad, <laughs> by the way. I, I fully approve. Thank you. They were red. So I've been, I've been red for like five years. Yeah. I've considered this. And I think <laughs> I even thought, I don't think I'm going to get red glasses because that's Brad's that's Brad's area. And I didn't even know you, but I was aware of you. And I was like, I like the color blue. It fits my personality. Do people stop you and talk to you about your glasses? Oh, yeah, very often. Yeah. It's a great conversation starter. It really is. And yeah, I love them. So if it wasn't for that, no one would ever talk to me. So I doubt that. But uh, (laughs) but I love it. That's great. I love your glasses. Thanks. Well, it's so it was a major compromise for me. So I don't I don't know what your whole wardrobe is like, but I essentially like to wear black shirts, uh, white T-shirts. Or like denim uh, collared shirts, and so 
my wife, who's Brazilian, was like, you just need a lot of color in your life. You've got to like get accessories like you're a grown up and you can't just you're not Steve Jobs, all of that. So I was like, oh, well, I'll just get, you know, glasses that have color on them. And then then people will think I'm a colorful person, even though I, I wear the exact same clothes every day, but they'll think I'm stylish. So that that's a, that's a deep piece of why I wear the glasses. Wow. Yeah. I wish I had that depth. <laughs> I don't know if I have that depth. I just liked the glass. Yeah, that's good. Seven, <laughs> it brought me joy. That's awesome. Exactly. You touched it, sparked joy. You're good. That's right. I need this. That's so great. Well, today we wanted to talk about some about like how do you help a, a church and believers transition into missional living, like gospel-centered missional living, uh, which you uh, have been a, a major pioneer in that. Uh, and uh, we also wanted to talk about pilot groups, which is a thing that uh, we've been at Saturate been kind of challenging, calling people to do uh, as a way to, to help do that. Uh, and you guys have, have taken that idea and run with it and enhanced it. And so yeah, so maybe the, the first thing to talk about is just yeah, what's it what's it like um, helping people in the Midwest in the the context that you just described, uh, helping them begin to to see the mission of God as everyday life. Oh man, great question. Um, because and what I love about Saturate, what I love jumping on when I first heard about it was this full-fledged call to every disciple to be full-fledged in every part of their life in following Christ. And are you, is your heart, is your soul, is your mind, is your strength all given to following Jesus? Mm-hmm. And I think the first realization you have to grapple with is I'm working with, and the conservative side of people, the conservatives here in Iowa, I think most of them, would say, I'm living a pretty good Christian life. And yet inside of that, when you look at what they're actually doing, a lot of people, they may go to church. They We see a lot of people coming into our church with broken relationships mm-hmm. and marriages. Uh, we see divorce and struggles with children. Uh, we see younger people just feeling lost and not sure how they fit into culture and society. And uh, so the, so the younger, most post-Christian side, you see a lot of people that just, they don't even understand the narrative of our culture anymore. We're seeing a lot of people that are older in Christ coming into our church, but they bear little fruit of following Hmm. Jesus. They look at their life and you say, I just don't see much fruit here. You know, at first we've been preaching the Bible faithfully for years here. And so I think there's kind of this frustration of like, man, um, we're saying this up front. We're telling people to follow Jesus. Mm-hmm. Why aren't they following Jesus? You know, what's what's going on? And when you look at how Jesus did it, he clearly taught. He clearly made bold proclamations in front of many people uh, during his ministry. He also called people into relationship and everyday life with him. Mm-hmm. And so we quickly realized early on we needed to call people you know, a full-fledged disciple and discipling people to follow Jesus, it, it's something that isn't just taught, it's taught. Mm-hmm. So we we wanted people to, to experience that. And I think that's the real challenge with the way a lot of churches are set up, including ours, 
is we're preaching faithfully on Sunday. We're celebrating pointing people to Jesus on Sundays. But some of the, the gaps that they really have are in how does this actually look? Like what does everyday life look like? And we started to realize there was gaps keeping them from getting even into groups. And so people would come mm-hmm. in. This this week, I just sat down with a guy who just went through pilot groups. And I was asking him, how did it go? You know, we're, we're learning. We're growing. I'd like to hear both criticism and praise. And, and he said, you know, he's a conservative Christian all his life. He said, I, I've never been in a group, a small group, that wasn't all men hmm. and was not led by a pastor. Hmm. That was his experience. And I was like, wow, because that's obviously not my experience. It's not what we're going for here. So for him, we he'd been coming to our church for four years. And we had been telling him, he's like, you guys would always tell us, get into groups and you talk about it and you'd use the illustrations. But he was like, it was just terrifying. It was really uncomfortable for me to like go to a stranger's home that I didn't know. I was coming to church on Sunday, hearing something. I didn't have good relationships with other people at church. And so I felt awkward being inviting myself. I had these barriers to getting in. Hmm. And that, so that was, that's been interesting for me is to realize that I think there's a lot of people that are coming that they're kind of in that space. Like they would be with this where they're intrigued by the message. They're listening to this. They go, wow, this is more than just an intellectual belief system. This is got Christ is calling me to follow him with every part of my life. And they make some attempts, but they're often alone. Right. They get frustrated and discouraged, and then they um, they don't move forward. Hmm. And so we had to realize as a church, how do we really uh, not just tell people to jump into groups, but how do we help them experience this and move and help them take some steps? So, so it's, I mean, maybe you were to say they're looking at getting over into like jumping into a full-fledged community following Jesus, and it's like there's maybe it's it's like a 10 or 15 foot creek they have right. to get across and they're scared of getting wet and they don't know how deep the creek is and we had to realize we have to create some stepping stones to help them kind of get across and 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 down this path and so pilot groups is really just that it's it's trying to both teach them but also just have them experience what biblical community what true community following Jesus looks like and and do it in a way that would be a little easier for them to jump into. Right. I think that's pretty insightful. Uh, I, I think as, as pastors, we can also often get super excited about ideas and then forget that it took us like 20 steps in our mind to get yeah. to those ideas. Yeah. And that yeah. uh, a like 35-minute sermon or even an eight-week sermon series isn't going to like shift people to like the shifts that we've experienced over years. And so you guys are, you're recognizing that, but at the same time realizing, oh man, people need that bridge that, and then someone to hold their hand across that bridge to, right. to even just step into some of these things. Right. And that's even what is modeled. I think in, in the new Testament scriptures, you see, you see that where there is bold calls absolutely from the front mm-hmm. and Jesus even personally made bold calls. But then there's also a pathway that he walked people down. Right. And we're still learning on this as well. We're kind of calling them guides right now of just saying even in in how a church connects people to groups, mm-hmm. there's been a lot of systems and structures you set up, but we feel like the core of our church is we want to disciple people. 
And so we want people to experience that as soon as possible. So even on Sundays, right now, what we're working towards is someone wants something. They want prayer. They want to get into a group, whatever it is. We're trying to have trained guides, people that are mature in their own walk with Christ, that can work and connect with that person immediately right there Hmm. and start, you know, if they need prayer, they're getting prayer right there. And then that person says, so, you know, what's your community? What, Hmm. what, what are you, who are you with? And then starting a connection and relationship with them immediately there. So that when, you know, that person then calls them, that guide calls them the next week, they already have a face. They already know who that person is and um, they have a connection to them. Yeah. So we're trying, trying to build that in. I, I think that's, Big churches, you can get so caught up in all these systems to move people in. And a lot of times from the, the new person experience, we're seeing most of the people in our in our big church, they're coming in and they have some area they feel broken. Hmm. They they're, they're, Their marriage is in trouble. They're empty and depressed. They they are struggling with some deep area of sin in their life and, hmm. and they're terrified to tell anyone about it. And so they come to church and I, I kind of feel they're similar to like the – the woman who is who is um, bleeding, and, and she, they're just hoping to touch the hem of Jesus's robe, and maybe they'll get healed. Hmm. And yet, there's so much of a fuller picture for that woman. Uh, yes, Jesus wanted to heal her, but he actually had a whole life he was calling her into, and we don't know her story for sure. But that's you know the theme, theme of the church is yes, we do want to get you healing. Yeah, but you've been called to the beauty and the delight of following Jesus and in, hmm. in your whole life and experiencing that. So we want that for you, not just not just immediate healing for some issue, right. which is great. We'll, we'll we'll start there because that often is how God brings hmm. us into the humility to follow Him. But long term, we want you to have this beauty, this delight of following Jesus in every part of your life. Yeah, man, that's that's so big because I think that often like the structures, the systems that we put in place, kind of like shift to one of those one of those like even i think soma the family of churches that birth saturate you know one of the things that we we've realized and had to repent over the last several years is that we like people would come in hurting and broken we'd be like all right well you've got to be like we want you to be a green beret special forces disciple if you can't cut it like this isn't the church for you kind of thing and without even giving space to finding out the, sure. the even the hidden sin and woundedness that people had uh, and that right. was like a that's the most egregious stereotype of what we were doing but uh <laughs> but there's there's yeah. truth in that uh yeah. <laughs> and then i think the other extreme is to say like no like we just want you to come in sit down like be comfortable over 25 years maybe you'll get some some fruit and health in your life we don't right we don't want to push you to make you too uncomfortable because you might leave right but I love what you're saying is it's like, no, like people come to us broken and we want to meet them there and disciple them there because that's a great, we're, that's how we all come. You know, that's the starting point for every disciple, but we want to see them. We want a different trajectory for them. Right. Well, that's, what's interesting. And, and Jesus also encountered proud people mm-hmm. and we, and, and you know, boy, I can be in that category and people coming in the door can be in that category yeah. of just not willing to, like we all have brokenness. It's there. This is <laughs> doctrinally we know this, right? We know that we're broken. But getting to that point of realization saying, Yeah, we're broken, that's that's what I think keeps a lot of people from jumping into churches is that it is so hard 
to admit that 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 base need that's there. Hmm. But to me, that's oftentimes what motivates someone to come in the door and to um, even launch to get help is the the realization of that brokenness. Um, so God definitely uses that. But the difficult people are the people that are too proud to admit that, or maybe they come but they can't admit they need help, and yeah. so they're, and then they're terrified of being known because then that would then people will find out what's really going on. That's that's the interesting one at, mm-hmm. at, at churches where people come and sit. Is I think there's there's you know for some people probably their deepest brokenness is that pride that's just that's sitting there saying I have this figured out. I just need to to fill in this information gap in my head. Yeah. And then I can move back to living independently and free and doing what I want with my life. Whereas, you know, the gospel says we're too broken. You know, we're, we're meant to be in this family, in this community of, of God. And, and our brokenness has led us to be fractured and separate. Yeah. And so we're being called back into this community and body. So we're trying to give people that feel, but it, it can be hard. And I think there's, you know, we puzzle over a lot why people don't get engaged and I think there's various reasons, but we're like you, we're, we're kind of repenting and growing as we go. Uh, but what I see the themes of Jesus when he encountered broken people is he ministered at that deep heart level to those wounds. And then like the woman of the well, you see them with joy yeah. going out to the community and telling everyone about what Jesus had did for them, which is again, a great example of humility of someone who's like, just, yep, yeah, here's my junk. Here's what yeah. Jesus said to me. And this is the life change that happened from it. So we kind of, we feel like with that, the, that those broken people and those brokenness there, Jesus does take time to stop and listen, hmm. and we should do. And oftentimes those people, as they receive healing, will be the ones that will not stop talking about it. Anymore, yeah, you know, absolutely. So I, I think that's, but that takes time sometimes, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And I think that, man, that's such a good principle. And, and. So, and you, and you did mention, you know, like that, that, like there's some guide there to like pray for them, but also point them forward as like a practical thing. What are other ways that you guys practically build that bridge for people? So we have some interesting challenges because we're, we have a church that people are still coming in, not knowing other people well at the church. So it'd be one thing if they were just coming in and they had a mature Christian that they're a friend Mm -hmm. of, and then you just kind of work with that friend to make sure that they're getting connected in. We're having a lot of people here come in that don't have deep relational connections with anyone. They just hear about it. They're like, we hear you're a Bible preaching church. We hear, you know, you're, you, you, you talk about the gospel and I, I want that. So I want to come here. Hmm. And so uh, that's all I know. So um, what we've had to do is try to really study um, who the people are coming in and, and, and realize that there's different, like an introvert is going to come in the doors of a church differently than an extrovert, hmm. you know? And so we have to make ways for, for all these different types of personalities that are coming in the door that want to know more or want to, you know, and and there's people that just don't want to know more. They want to come in, they want to leave. And um, it can be easy to even make assumptions about them, where they at. Some of them want to hear the preaching for a while and just get comfortable with, do I doctrinally you know, do I agree with this? Um, other people, you know, coming in broken and will tell you right away. And there's right. people that are coming in and energetic and running down this pathway. So what we're doing is uh, we try to have at both of our locations, regular meals on site at church after hmm. service. 
and we invite people to meals. We call them getting to know grace. Yes, there's a double meaning. You can <laughs> criticize the cliche, but it, uh, it's worked for a long time. So we just do it. And so we have a meal. We have them sit at tables. Uh, we have people, guides at those tables that are um, just kind of, you know, drawing people out, getting another story. And the goal is, is to really just understand there. And we don't perfectly accomplish this, but we're, we're trying to shoot towards three things. We want to remind them of the story of God, which that's that's a long story. <laughs> so we have an abbreviated yeah. version. And then we want, we want to hear their story. And then we want them to know our story of what us and perfectly following Jesus has looked like hmm. as a church. So we'll just try to do some entry points there. And then from there, as, as those, those guides are at those tables talking to people, they'll get kind of a feel of where that person is at. You know, it's, it's always interesting to ask, why did you come to the lunch? You know, they come to the service. Why do you want to come to the lunch? And, um, you know, most commonly, our most common thing is people want community. About 60% of the people that come to that want hmm. community. We do have an older demographic here that define that differently. They they would they would call that men's. They were looking for a men or women's Bible right. study, and so a lot of people that are a little older are looking hmm. for that. And so we need to have a conversation. We we do we've allowed while we don't have staff really leading those, we do have some people that have just self started some Bible studies, and 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 that's fine. And that can be even a form of welcoming and caring yeah. for new people. Plus also. For each other, I mean, it's, it's no no problem going deep in the word. But of course, as you and I know, that's not the full expression of community we're looking for. And then we have pilot hmm. groups then twice a year, and we're doing those for ten week increments. And we had to look at the seasonal life of our church. Um, so our church definitely has seasons. I don't know. We're a four season culture here, so even in the weather we tend to follow that a little bit. And then we follow the school system. Those are our two dominant rhythms that we have through our year. And so for us, we have the most people flowing in, wanting to get involved and connected in the fall, right as mm. school starts. And so we have one pilot groups that uh, 10 weeks that will launch right then. So we'll do a, a welcoming lunch and then move them right into pilot groups. And then we do another mm. in the spring and um, we'll see kind of leading up to Easter, another, group of people coming in more interested at that time. So we're really targeting, especially people that just have had trouble connecting into groups and we're trying to help move them forward. If we encounter people early on that know people in groups, we always try to encourage them to stay with that person, the person that they're with. We're not trying to recruit them because a lot of times there's been a relationship formed for years and someone's invited someone to church. How frustrating then to get recruit, get that person recruited into another group. So we always try to encourage them if they have existing relationship towards that relationship first. And then if for some reason that's been challenging, you know, they could come to a pilot group. But if you don't have relationship and you want to, you know, want to be in a group, uh, great. Uh, one thing I have said, seen actually with people, even existing relationships is, um, and this can be a problem with you know, mission communities have can have all issues. Is one is is that um, they will come in and sense the tight knittedness of that group and right. will feel have a hard time breaking in mm -hmm. and and feeling like really understood and, and part of that group. Now, some groups do fantastic at being aware of that. I think even some gift sets, like if you have an evangelist in your group or someone who maybe thinks a little ap ap apostolically, you, um, 
you can, you, that person may really do great at bridging that person in, but sometimes you come into a group that has a teacher and a shepherd <laughs> and they're like, <laughs> I don't, you know, I, I don't feel like this group is so tight knit and they just love each other and they're so awesome, but I don't know if I fit in. So um, we, we're always working with our groups to help them be aware of that. But sometimes they yeah. end up in a pilot group just because they want to kind of start over with a new group and be part of that vision and that structure from the get go. That's awesome. That's so good. And, and yeah, that, that makes like tons of sense, even just in, in each of those points, giving people grace, uh, no pun intended. Uh, yeah, and then right. also giving them uh, like the, the next kind of step across that bridge. That's awesome. Yeah. Maybe tell us what a pilot group is and, and how that, that gets worked out. Like some of the, the nitty gritty of that. Yeah. So pilot group is basically just, again, if you, you don't have a group you can connect with, it's a way to get into community and get trained and get some idea of what to do. Uh, we don't ask for a commitment up front beyond just the eight weeks. and then. Uh, but the whole goal is to have people not just hear about groups, sit in a teaching about groups, but actually get to experience group life mm. in kind of a third space, a, a third space environment, someplace where... Um, it's a it's a little bit more neutral to them than someone's home. And so we actually have pilot groups on site at our church. And what we do is we just clear our auditorium. We bring tables in. Um, the first week, we put out a really big spread, tons of food, and just try to be really hospitable. And then, uh, then I'll get into this for a second. But what, what we wanted to do is just start to, ex- just to experience what it is, though, to sit around a table or in a living room mm-hmm. or, you know, wherever this is offsite, that, that feeling of just sharing some of your life, just little pieces of your life, uh, with each other and, uh, and, and move people kind of into that experience. So pilot groups, the, the actual teaching structure of it, we just follow, um, the saturate, uh, field guide. So we actually hand out the field guides and mm. use those for eight weeks and so we teach through what the Saturate Field Guides, the content there. And what I love about that is uh, you lay a, a gospel foundation. Uh, y- you help people understand that God meant us to be family and missionaries yeah. and servants. But that was the basis of that. So you have to lay that foundation with people. For us in Iowa, that is a pretty revolutionary concept. I know it's it's a very ancient concept, mm. an important one. But a lot of people have not, they are still in the church as a, as a building and a meeting and that they're not much beyond that. Or, or even if they give it lip service that the church is a body of people, yeah. um, they have their, their ecclesiology is not very robust. Hmm. So I love the saturate foundation built there. Frankly, I'm even after walking people through this now, they're still not getting it. They get through eight weeks and, and they're right. still based things that I'm like, oh, they don't get this yet. <laughs> and and I think some of it is it just takes time, like you said earlier. And uh people learn differently. I've been really trying to learn how adults learn. <laughs> I'm trying to learn how adults learn. That sounds awesome. <laughs> adults learn differently. And right. a lot of times they have to have a need and be motivated to to meet that, to figure out, you know, what they don't know. And so you have to kind of prick them and, and help them understand they don't know something. The core of what we're doing then is following that guide, hmm. helping them understand what the church is, and then calling them to live that out. The last several weeks get much more practical in how do we actually live this out. So by the end, the last two weeks especially, the groups are 
uh, really starting to make plans. They've they've already been doing some things uh, outside of group by that time, but by the end two weeks, they're they're starting to make plans then hmm. about okay, what does this look like if we go into our living rooms now? So it's it's really a prep, and um, one big advantage of it too is that you have a core of a group instead of just a leader. So we used to do our leadership training where you just take a leader. And at first, we didn't even provide childcare because we were, we were dumb. And, uh, <laughs> and so we would have oftentimes just a male leader without even his wife, or sometimes we'd have the, the woman come. So they weren't even as a couple on the same page. Yeah. Uh, so we'd give them training and what to do groups. And then they have to go back and bring their spouse into this. And then the two of them have to go and convince a group, like, right. this is what we're doing. So a pilot group brings, you know, we, I would definitely say one thing we, we, I got pushed back here and fought for, and I'm really glad I did was, um, make sure you offer great childcare, mm. make sure the kids are enjoying themselves. <laughs> and, uh, it's such a blessing to have the husband and wife together. And, and we had a lot of young couples that probably couldn't have done it if they mm. couldn't have come to this. So we do offer childcare just to give their undivided attention yeah. And so the, hmm. we teach them through that. And another thing I'll say is what I did is the teaching content that came with the field guide was probably close to an hour of upfront teaching, at least the pace that I teach. It was probably an hour for me. So I had to cut back the upfront teaching. I probably only taught about 15 minutes a week hmm. and just tried to be very concise, yeah. very on point, and go after what I wanted because what I wanted to do is have people telling their stories every week we had people coming in they would eat together first during as they ate they started talking about their week then they got into each other's stories so someone would share their story and uh so we just used the telling your story with jesus as the hero resource and started training them how to see the gospel in their own story and then how to draw it out from each other as a group we had table leaders already pre-selected that we felt were pretty qualified to lead community groups. And so I worked with them prior to mm. that and actually knew their stories, had walked them through it. And so then they were walking their tables through that because of the training that they had gotten. Mm. They got to know each other's stories. They got to eat together. Uh, and then we started pushing them early on to try to do things like communicate outside of the group. That's one th- little detail that was really helpful right from the get-go, is I told every group to figure out their style of communication. I didn't offer, I just gave them ideas. You know, some people use Facebook, they start a group. Other people text. Mm-hmm. Text is awful, but you want to do that, fine. <laughs> I hate group texts. They drive me crazy. But if that's your thing, do that thing. You yeah. know, that's what your group agrees on, whatever that is. And uh, that was crazy because they gelled from that week on. I had people come up to me, hey, this, so-and-so wants to let me know that they can't make it this week but they'll be back next week. They, they wouldn't even contact me. They would just tell their group what was going on. And so people started sharing requests. They started hanging out outside of group because they had each other's contact information. So even sharing that week one was a really big win and uh, encouraging them to giving them ideas of things to do, ways to serve. So when you get into like, you know, being a missionary, being a servant, being family, well, well there's just natural application. Right. Well, you guys should go have a meal this week because your family, you know, that's what families do. Yeah. You know, uh, you guys should figure out how to serve each other or serve someone in the community this week. Cause that's yeah. what servants do, you know? And, uh, and what is, you know, what does it look like to hold an event that your unchristian friends, not an event, but a hangout hmm. or something that your unchristian friends come to, 
you know, what does that look like? What would it look like to get to know each other's unchristian friends and start praying and caring right. for them? You know, just little things like that you can give them to do. But all of that is then forming community. They're 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 really starting to move into a family feel as they do those things together. Yeah. And then the other thing I realized that we we started about halfway through because I just realized that as we're doing this is that a lot of people did not know how to pray and they didn't know mm-hmm. how to pray out loud. So we said just we stopped one time and just taught yeah. them that for ten minutes of how to pray and then recognize that there's so many people that were like that was actually one thing that people in their comments said is like I was terrified to go to a community group because I was terrified someone would ask me to pray that night. Hmm. And you guys teaching us how to do that and modeling how to do that really helped me. Oh, that's cool. So it's just it's funny the things that I wouldn't think of as maybe being, you know, if I were coming to a new church, that that probably wouldn't be something I would worry about. Right. But for them that was a big deal. So that's awesome. Wow. Yeah, that's so I mean that's that just like, yeah, you're you're kind of guiding people, helping them walk through some of the very early stages of a community existing. Like, how are we going to communicate? Like, just very, like, basics, basics of, like, even, like, Christian community. Like, how are we going to pray together? But also casting right. vision for how this could evolve. That's so great. Maybe kind of, like, the last question is, yeah, what kind of fruit have you seen? Even just kind of, like, anecdotally as you've been doing this. Well. I didn't expect this. Uh, we're seeing people ex- come to Jesus. Hmm. Um, I kind of was under the assumption that most of these people had already kind of made a decision that to follow Jesus. Yeah. And uh, what we were finding is, is that we um, just, yeah, I want to be careful not to share stories without permission here. Yeah. There, there was people that were coming to church that had deep rooted sin issues and hmm. it, it, it's like they were just covering it up, covering it up. They just had like layers of bandages over this wound that they had. Not literal wound, but a spiritual, yeah. you know, the sin in their life. And so, you know, we had trained our group leaders to share their story and to not hold back on. That's one common part of, you know, of scripture is it, uh, people will skip. The, the idea of that they're fallen and broken. Right. <laughs> and they'll just, they'll just kind of go. You know, I grew up and had a pretty decent family or maybe a dysfunctional family, whatever the story is. Hmm. But they won't – if it's dysfunctional, they won't go into it. And every family has some dysfunction. Right. And then they don't really go into any of their things. And then I decided to come to church here. And you're like, I don't really know you right now. You know? <laughs> right. Well, that's not really the full story. You know, my own background is I grew up as a pastor's kid and oscillated from being really, really good or really, really bad. Hmm. And so I, I both had, had seasons of rebellion in my life where I was definitely the prodigal kid. And then other seasons where I was like trying desperately to be the self-righteous person, but I did not understand the grace and mercy of Christ in my own life. Yeah. And so the big turning point was when I just started being able to realize that both that self-righteous hypocrisy I had hmm. and also, and I'm still am, man, I'm still in this process of God revealing to me just ways I'm self-righteous and independent. And yet on the other side, also learning how to confess and say, you know, I'm deeply broken and have these sin and rebellious instincts to f- run away from God. So as I, as I, once I, I saw that, then the mercies of Christ became plain and I was like, I need God badly. You know, and so yeah. we wanted people to hear their stories from that perspective 
there were several people that I I believe are, are have become Christ followers now. Even in our last one, hmm. we just did our last pilot groups. That I just think as they heard stories, they were blown away. They're like the common sort of thing I heard was I didn't know anyone else in the church struggled with this. Hmm. And so to hear someone in a leadership position share so vulnerably and then show me Jesus. I was so hungry for Jesus. Like I want yeah. to, like the, the thing was, is I want Jesus. I it's, it's the, like the woman in the well, they, they give me this living water. You know, I, mm. I desperately need this. It was unbelievable. Cause we would get done. And oftentimes me or one of the tables might be there for another 45 minutes or longer ministering to someone who's just that we had some people that just were mm. overwhelmed. So that was the first thing I was really surprised at. I didn't expect, but was delighted that it happened. The other thing was, is that for us, every single group has continued on. Every single table made it all the way wow. through and, uh, and uh, is, is going on. So we had a bunch of new communities start up across the city uh, as a result of that. So the last time we had seven tables that, that made it through of about, about six to eight people each table. That's awesome. So um, I just feel somewhat better too because you have a core community that's all in it together hmm. and has made some covenants now towards what the next year looks like. Right. And so, um, you know, I'm sure there's going to be ups and downs with that. We're going to continue to coach and shepherd them. But that's just a, it's one of the probably most encouraging startups to launch new groups that we've ever done. That's so cool. So, um, so I'm, I, I'm really excited about that. And then, I, yeah, I think also just there's been, yeah, in my mind, just thinking about all the people that are coming up to me and mm. sharing really intimate things of their life, even if they are following Christ, they're just going deeper into that devotion of Christ. And, you know, at, at the core, what li- should mm. link a, a missional community is we are all devoted to following Christ because of our great need for him yeah. and our great desire and joy in knowing him. And um, I, I'm seeing that happen, and that's just that brings me delight. It, it makes me so happy. That's so cool! Wow, that's awesome. I mean, you know, we we talk about structures and like, oh, we want everyone to be a disciple, but I think sometimes we forget just like transformation. Yeah, yeah. So that's man, yeah. that's really exciting and so good. That's great. Uh, and I think that, I don't know if, if you have anything else to share about that. You, you like left out some really great nuggets on just practical steps. And, and if people want to, they can, uh, get the pilot guy that will help people kind of set up their, their own version of that. And, you know, highly recommend people to, to take from even just your learning that you just shared, Dan, and, and have people, yeah, incorporate that as well as kind of read their own context. But yeah, that's so, so great. I, you know, one thing I would just say is to leaders that are thinking about pilot groups is I, I just so love and appreciate the content that Saturate's done for the field with the field guides and everything. But you also need to really make sure that you're aligned at your church level mm. on what making disciples looks like because it can feel weird to people if you use just Saturate content without that being used anywhere else in your church. That's such a good point. And so, uh, so I would also just say, as you're considering this, there's a lot of the language that Saturate uses that is that is our language, and so we don't we don't worry about that. That's great. We just use it. But there was other things along the way too that we had to just make sure we slowed down and um, and clearly communicated in our language what 
what we meant. So yeah. one thing I'd say going into it is um, I think a mistake I can see people is to kind of pull something like the field guide off the shelf and kind of go, well, this is going to do everything. There's actually a lot of work at that leadership level of just making sure is this aligned with our church? And and that can obviously lead to even deeper questions of is our church properly aligned to what Christ has called us to do? Hmm. But as you have that, make sure as a leader that you just are thoughtfully thinking through what are those core areas of discipleship that you're trying to disciple people in? Yeah. What are those core identities? Like what, you know, I, I, I've settled on and really love the Somic identities, but you know, there's a lot of identities thrown out in the new Testament. Right. And so I understand why we use the three and saturate that we do and love that. Cause there's so many implications, but there's a lot you can think through. Right. Uh, we, we really, we went back and forth on the, on using, um, ambassador versus missionary right because we were we just wondered about well you know do we see missionaries as these commissioned ones that are sent out overseas that god especially called to cross cultures you know and while i love the concept of missionary is that confusing to people to tell them that they're missionaries when you know second corinthians 5 is that use the word ambassadors that's right. often one i keep from so um i think things like that as a leader are really critical to think through and have ownership of, and then I will give you confidence too as you lead it. Right. Of like, hey, we're being faithful to what Christ has called us to do here locally, and we're using these materials to help us get there. And and I think if you do that, you'll do you'll do well. That's awesome. Yeah, that's a great word too. That's such a good, yeah, good reminder of 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 what we mean when we mean make it your own but also how to just think of it holistically in your whole church that it's not just like oh there's this really weird pilot group thing happening in room 502 over there so it has nothing to do with the rest of us uh, yeah that's that's really that's really core uh awesome dan thanks so much for joining us today this has been a great conversation and honestly it's going to encourage so many people just hearing and like just the practicality of it, but also the vision that you've cast for for being patient and gracious with people while still calling them to everything that, that Jesus has for them and, and delight in following Jesus. So love that. Thanks so much, Dan. Thanks for having me, Brad. Today's podcast was edited by Ben Fort, and our theme music is written and performed by the band Mopac. Saturate's hope is to see one missional community for every 1,000 people in every city as we see the glory of God fill every person, every place, and every church. We participate in this vision by curating resources, training, coaching, consulting, and many more ways. Find out more at saturatetheworld.com.